Hello and welcome into another episode on the Labumba Pastors blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. In today's study, we are continuing our series on the book of Acts. We've missed some time here, and we're going to pick back up in Acts chapter 4. So the title of today's lesson is Acts 4, Truth Hiders. Let's begin by reading from Acts chapter 4, verses 14 to verse 18, which says, But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. In our last study, we looked at the behavior of God's common men when arrested for proclaiming the truth. That truth was that Jesus rose from the grave just as God predicted he would, and that there was salvation in no one else except him. The healing of this lame man was another merciful act of evidence God gave to prove the things the disciples said were true. Today, we're going to focus on the Jewish leader's response to this evidence. It's going to inform us properly about the challenges we face as we proclaim God's truth to the world. First of all, I want you to notice that these men acknowledged that there was undeniable evidence before them that what the disciples said was true. Do you see that? The text says, seeing the lame man standing before them well, they had nothing to say in opposition to the apostles' testimony. The Sanhedrin consisted of many priests who would have known this man, the lame man, at least by his face. Remember in chapter 3, we were told the lame man was laid every single day at the temple gate known as the beautiful gate. He had been lame from birth, and we'll see later in chapter 4 that the man was over 40 years old when he was healed. That means for close to 40 years, this man was begging in the temple for money. So most likely, these priests were very familiar with him. That meant there was no way for them to deny this miracle. Previously, the Jewish leaders always found a way to deny what evidence they were given about Jesus' power. Consider some examples. When Jesus cast out demons, the Jews denied Jesus by saying that Jesus got his power from Satan. In Mark chapter 3, verse 22, we read, And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he casts out the demons. When Jesus healed a blind man who had been born from birth, the Jews refused to believe that the man had ever been blind. In John chapter 9, verse 18 and 19, we read, The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? Blind? How then does he now see? When the parents of the blind man confirmed that he was blind from birth, 
The Jews still dismissed the miracle, saying what Jesus had done was unlawful. In chapter 9, verse 24 of John, it says, So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. The reason they accused Jesus of being a sinner this time was because he had made mud on the Sabbath, put it on the blind blind man's eyes, and sent him to wash. So they denied Jesus this time because he didn't abide by their interpretation of Sabbath law. When Jesus was raised from the dead, the soldiers came and told the Jews exactly what had happened. In Matthew 28, from verse 11 to 15, we read this, While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Here we see the Jews denied the direct eyewitness testimony of soldiers employed by them to guard Jesus' tomb. But perhaps here, the Jews didn't truly believe what the guards said. Maybe they thought the soldiers lied to cover up the fact that they had really fallen asleep on duty. But here in Acts chapter 4, we find a new piece of evidence confronting them that they themselves can't deny. They knew this lame man. They knew how long he had been at the temple. He had probably even been a source of irritation to them at times since he was always begging people for money, including the priest's money. They should have been rejoicing that God healed him, but they couldn't. Why couldn't they? because the source of the man's healing was the cornerstone they had rejected. So how do they respond to this new evidence? Do they finally admit Jesus is the Son of God when he gives them evidence they can't deny? No, the Bible says they did what we read at the start of our lesson in verse 17 and 18 of Acts 4. It says, But in order that it may spread no further among the people, Let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Isn't this sad, friends? These men were in position to be proclaimers of God's truth, and yet we find them seeking to bury the truth where no one could find it. This shows us several things. First, it shows us that these types of people only have love for themselves. They hate everyone else. They do not care about any person, only their own objective. They were trying to hide the most beneficial thing to all humanity. They sought to cover it up that it reached no person. Paul describes them this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 from verse 14 to 16. We read, For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out, and displease God and oppose all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as to always 
fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them at last. Notice it says, they oppose all mankind. In other words, they hate everyone. I tell you, my listeners, Uganda is full of church founders who call themselves prophets and apostles, and yet they hate everyone. They have no love for Christ or the people he died for. They love themselves, and they have their own objectives where they are seeking to fulfill loving themselves. Their works and their lies demonstrate this reality. They are truth hiders, just like these Jews. No matter how you confront them with God's word, they will say they've had a dream, or they've been anointed, or they are vision bearers, and therefore they deny the evidence that you bring against them. Well, wrath will come upon them at last, too. Secondly, about these men. Understand that their rejection of God had nothing to do with evidence and everything to do with rebellion against God's authority. This is something that we often get very wrong in modern evangelism. We often engage in intellectual debate as if salvation depends on convincing a person's brain that the gospel is true. Well, just think about this. Satan himself and every single fallen angel that followed Satan in his rebellion, the demons, are eternal beings. They are not born and then die like people. That means each of them knew God intimately when they were created. Of Satan himself, God speaks of Satan's proximity to God like this. In Ezekiel chapter 28, from verse 12 to 14, we read, Son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle, and crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God. In the midst of the stones of fire, you walked. That description, uh, with those details, matches the description of God's throne and the cherubim angels around God's throne described in the books of Isaiah and Ezekiel. So Satan beheld the face of God in all his glory. He was one of the creatures whose duty it was to proclaim holy, holy, holy around God's throne at all times. Yet he denied God was his master. He said he wanted to exalt himself to be equal with God. So brethren, we must understand that the battle for a person's heart is not fought through their thinking powers, but through the power of the Holy Spirit to deliver a person from what enslaves him. And what enslaves every person is their sinful desire, not their intelligence. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19, They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person 
To that he is enslaved. Sinners will always find an excuse to turn away from truth because they are controlled by their sin. They can always blame someone else for their mistakes, and they will never be able to free themselves. Romans 7 says there is only one who has power to deliver us from this body of death. Romans 7 verses 24 and 25 says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So lastly, friends, Understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. People believe Satan's lies because his lies give them what they want. For a person to believe the gospel, the Holy Spirit must open their eyes to what is the best thing, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray for truth to be broadcast. And let's let us be faithful broadcasters of the truth. Let us not be guilty of hiding truth like these men were. Let's faithfully proclaim it. God has made us this promise about his light. In John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, we read, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In our next study, we will see how God's men responded to the demand that they hide God's light. God bless you all.